When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 35th episode of Kiwi and the Bird Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we are going to go into an in-depth discussion about the lively and tasteful A Magic Steeping Poison by Judy I. Lynn. If you didn't know, we're implementing a new format for our discussion episodes. We're going to try to fit in all of our thoughts and feelings for A Magic Steeped in Poison in just one hour. Which is impossible for us. A little bit. Very nearly. If you like this new format, let us know. And if you want to support our podcast, you're welcome to click on the link in the episode description. We'd be so grateful to have your donations. Now, as we discuss everything about a magic steep and poison, and I mean everything, here's your one and only spoiler spoiler alert. alert. Kimi, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? I forget literally every time. (laughs) (laughs) And now, on to the show. Okay, let's talk about what we're most anxious about. What has our hearts in a fiery storm? What gives our loins life? (laughs) Let's talk about the romance. (laughs) (laughs) So, what were your thoughts about Miss Ning and Mr. Kang? Kong? I'll say Kong. You can say Kang. I'll say Kong with you. I'll say Kang. I personally thought that Ning and Kong did not have that much chemistry. Okay, okay. I feel you. I feel you. You take the reins. I mean, they, okay, they had everything in place to have a great, tension-filled, passionate romance. It just wasn't there. You know, You know, I thought that they were introduced to each other way too early in the story. So I was like, but okay, we're going a little bit more fast-paced. Let's see where this is going. And I felt like... There was nothing really at stake for them. Yes, there was no constraint. No. Because there wasn't like the fear of, oh no, what if we got caught when it's revealed that he's disgraced and possibly a traitor and she's still talking to him. Not really much um, fear there. No, like, or even when she was kissing him, right? Like, wouldn't she like been be disgraced for that like why yeah. is she scared of that or ostracized for it for even associating with him yeah i think for me my two main things i do say the chemistry thing i didn't feel like they had loads of chemistry and i couldn't tell if it was just because they kind of had like four moments that were spread out a lot and so maybe there just wasn't enough to make that kineticness happen for me though the other thing is that you know how the princess gives Ning the mission to essentially spy on yes. Kong? One, I felt like that was introduced too late. Yes. Because then it's like she only spied on him, spied for one conversation, mm-hmm. and nothing really came of it. And two, I, that's such a big point to me that could be filled with contention and and a lot more pain and hurt and betrayal and finding out secrets and such. But I don't feel like it was utilized to the degree that it could have been. Yeah, because, I mean, Kong is the, the, the son of the banished prince, right? Basically, the kingdom that's trying to take over Dai. And, you know, the princess is, like, trying to stop that from happening. And so she's kind of like, okay, well, I want to know, like, what his intentions are. Like, is he going to help his father? Is this going to be a whole thing? And she's, like, got Ning into it. And so just, like, with all, like, the places that they were put in, like, between Ning and the princess, the princess and Kong and Kong and Ning, like, that could have been filled with, like, so much, like, conflict of, like, oh, but I, like, I have real feelings for him, but I'm spying on him because I have to save my sister. Like, there was just so much that could have been. Yes. And honestly, she, Ning had more chemistry with the lady from Peony House during one of the trials. (laughs) She really did. Yeah. Because, like, the, the lady from the peony house was, like, you know, she was the person that was helping her with the with the trial. Yeah. At that point. That challenge. Yes. And, you know, she 
you know she she like held me back and like she like had glances with her and i was literally like she literally has more chemistry with her right yeah now. yeah and i was like why can't we have this <laughs> with kong but i mean there was that scene where they're running away from the monks right and they're going yeah. through the garden like ning and Connor going through the garden he takes her to the monastery they're kind of talking to each other and they have their first kiss yes which i think didn't have enough build up to it yep i feel that but i mean i didn't hate the way that judy lynn described it i thought it was cute mm-hmm. you know yeah. like you know like how she like kissed him first right and then how he like deepened the kiss with like a tilt like tilt uh, the tilt of the up. yeah the tilt of the chin was hot i was like oh dang i feel I, that I'm a, I'm a sucker for it <laughs> yeah the chin tilts are everything like the way she described it wasn't bad it was just the there was no build-up there was no tension there was just nothing for me to there's nothing to convince me that they were in love yes because you know i feel like with most books that kind of follow this pattern of oh i have to spy on you and i'm slowly falling in love with you i never really felt like ning was falling in love or like and uh, not to say that she's in love at the end of the story but even falling into likeness it kind of seems like the sweetness and the emotionalness of the story and of the romance was coming more so from him. And I get that Neen is kind of more of a reserved person and, you know, maybe she's not really forward in that sense, but I do wish that she participated more because it seemed like he was kind of carrying more of that romantic aspect than she was. Yes. Also at the beginning, like, like I said, I thought that they were introduced to each other way too soon. Um, but it, like the first time that they meet, uh, they go to the tea house, right? And they buy golden tea tea. Yes. And I was at this point, like we don't know a lot about the magic in the story. Yes. And so when the whole thing happened where they have like a connection because of the tea, mm-hmm. um, I was confused as to why that happened. Yes, because it. It was kind of, I don't know if you got this sense, but it was kind of like a soulmate sense to me. Where it's like their souls knew and recognized each other. But I, like you said, I felt like it was too soon because they had just met. And all of a sudden they're having this super intimate moment when he, when he has all these secrets, he should be a lot more guarded Mm -hmm. about letting a tea master into his soul, essentially. And I would have maybe liked that contention of, you know, maybe she makes the tea for him and then he's like, no, because I know what abilities can come from a team master. I kind well, of that he didn't sense know that of she was a team master at that point. Oh, but still, like it still was like a too intimate a moment, and yes. especially since Ying was all all about how she didn't know her abilities or like she wasn't confident in her abilities to do things like that. And I feel like that moment like was spread out throughout the whole story of like, oh yeah, we have this connection that's like a remnant of what happened with the golden key tea. Yes. And I was like, but it happened too soon. And, and we, we like, we as the readers didn't quite understand what was happening. Like I just, I, I wish that was done a little bit further into the story. Yes. And I felt like that moment was too hollow of a moment to, because that was, I feel like that was the basis of the connection mm-hmm. that that was like the deepest moment that they had because they were at the most, they were, unexpectedly at their most vulnerable but it just wasn't enough to ground them Mm -hmm. in my mind I didn't feel I didn't really feel too emotionally about them at the end when Neen goes to Kong and she's basically like you're a liar kind of hate you though I won't say that because I kind of love you and I lied about everything that I said just to get information out of you like the whole reveal that she was spying on him Again, she was not spying on him long enough for me to be like, oh my goodness, this is a true betrayal. And two, I felt like there wasn't enough for for Ning to believe that Kong had lied to her. Yeah. Because when there is that moment where it is the scene with Ning and the princess and uh, the chancellor, I believe, the chancellor says the thing about the poison bricks, where, as you explained to me earlier... They originate, like, the poison in the bricks comes from Kong's land and such. Therefore, it kind of condemns him, at least in Ning's mind. But I didn't feel like it should have. Yeah, I mean, 
even though the 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 tea, the poison tea bricks came from Kong's country, you know, that doesn't mean that he knows that that's what poisoned her mom. Yes, and that doesn't mean that he's behind it and and is participating in it. Mm-hmm. It was so it was such a jump to a conclusion where and she doesn't even really ask him about it. Yeah. And he doesn't really defend himself about it either. And I, I, if he was to be caught in a lie, I wanted him to be caught in an actual lie where it's not just someone drawing a conclusion, but he legitimately lied about something. You know, even if it was under, like, the truth serum tea. You know, I thought that would happen, that she would do the truth serum tea again, and then he would be, she'd figure out that he knows how to beat that tea somehow or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I just was so confused how she turned on him so quickly. Yeah. I actually wish Kong had been more nefarious in the story. I, I feel that, yeah. Like, I wish that he had approached Ning because she is a tea master. Yes, and maybe he lies and says he doesn't know, but he yes. did. Yeah. Something like that, because he knows about the competition that's happening in the palace, obviously. And, like, he's there to gain the favor of the princess or something like that, you know? Just, just to have him just more into, like, the political intrigue. Yes. Not just as the son of the banished prince. Like, I want him to have a more active role. Yes. And maybe that could have been, like, you know, he betrayed, Kong betrays Ning that way, but Ning betrays Kong because now she's spying for the princess. Yes. Yes. That all could have just, like, come together really well and just tension-filled, but with emotions. Yes. Oof. Um, I felt like it could have been more contentious because when they do kind of have their breakup scene, I... I wanted to feel hurt by it, but I didn't quite, I just wasn't really hurt. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel like it really affected anything. And I wish that, at least in my mind, we understood Kane's motivations better. Because even by the end of the book, I still didn't know where he stood. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was done on purpose or not, but I just wish that I did, even if it was a lie, like even if he's lying by standing by his father, I wish I just had a more more of a sense of that. Like, I wanted him to take a stand. Yeah. I also just, with the breakup scene, there wasn't enough in the relationship for me to realize that it was a breakup scene. Yes. Because at this point, like, we weren't, like, Ning still doesn't trust Kong, right? Even though she's kind of, like, she likes him and everything. So the main thing is, like, she doesn't trust him. She doesn't know, like, what to do with him. But, she, like, she still, like, goes off with him. Even before the princess asks her to spy on him. Mm-hmm. And so that always confused me. Yeah. And it's just like, I didn't realize that they were in kind of a relationship. And then they kind of, like, it didn't feel like they were. Yeah. It didn't feel and like that yeah. they were in a relationship. It just felt like they, it was like the beginnings of liking each other. Yes. But they never got beyond that. And then when it's revealed at the end that Khan has, ac- has accepted this proposal from the princess and is going to marry her and such... Again, I wanted to feel punched in my chest. I didn't get the punch. And also, I didn't understand that either. That really came out of nowhere for mm-hmm. me. And I feel like it was it, it was more so for the drama. Um, but I wish there was more of a sense like maybe Kong had been reluctant to accept her proposal until Ning said what she did and broke up with him. You know, or maybe something like that where it would understand why he was led to that decision. And I told Kami when we were recording, I just didn't understand why there was this whole betrothal thing if Kong already knew his father was going to take over the kingdom. Now, if the proposal was kind of like a distraction Kong had accepted earlier in the story, you know, to kind of stall the politic, the politics of things, then sure. But I felt like at the end, it didn't, it didn't make sense in conjunction with what his father did. Yeah, honestly, it would have been really great. To see, you know, that's why Kong was in the city in the first place. You know, like, obviously he's there to, like, get information and earn the favor of the princess. But if they had gotten betrothed earlier, that would have just added more to the romance of, oh, no, we're not supposed to do this. Yes, because then Ning is kind of fraternizing with the fiancé of the princess. You know, that feels a lot more forbidden and a lot more, this is bad. Especially when the princess would trust her to spy on him. Yes. You know, it's just like the whole like back and forth with the yes. dynamics. And the distrust. Yes. And the, yes. It would have been so good. We love distrust. <laughs> and see, the thing is, with that distrust and with like 
this kind of like the sense of betrayal like you kind of build up to it with like all the interactions where you know you would probably like feel bad about it you know as the more that she talks to kong and like maybe we could just like see hints of kong like feeling bad because like we see moments of where he slips up because he feels bad because he knows Ning's background now. Yes. Something. And then we just have that build up to the reveal. Yes. And then it's just, you want to watch that fall out. Yes. Because then you kind of have the sadness that he lied to her, but then also the hope that he isn't really betrothed anymore because he just took over this kingdom. Yep. And and also Ning having to face the guilt that she's doing this to the princess when the princess trusts her. Yeah. Oh, it would have been so good. Again, I liked the I liked the grounding and the idea of the romance, but mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be more sharp and contentious and a little bit more like a weapon used to hurt me. Yeah. In a soulful way. Yes. But I do think it was a good idea at the end to kind of leave things off where it's like we don't know where Kong stands. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of like, does he stand with his father now? I mean, I would have liked to know his motivations throughout most of the story. Yeah. But it's good that I like the ambiguity of like, can I trust him? Can I not at the end? Because he let her go. Because he let her go. Well, we don't know that he recognized her. I thought it said like he met her eyes and then looked on after her, but he didn't call the guards. Well, then that confuses me because she came to his room as a servant without magic and he didn't recognize her then. I thought his back was turned to her. And so like he was he was reading something on the oh. table and he was like, "Oh, you can set it down here." And she's like, "Hey." And he's like, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay, that's fair. But yeah, like I like the ambiguity of that like, "Oh, he's technically like I see him with his father's men." Mm-hmm. But he's not like, there you know. could be something redeemable. Yeah, like, but he's not telling the guards that I'm here or anything. I wanted him to kind of have an evil shift where, like, he did do everything purposefully, but she was the un- unexpected yes! weakness. Again, it's just you want him to be more nefarious. Yeah. But then you see the weakness in him of, like, oh, wait. Like, that, that would have been a great moment. Like, if he had planned all of that, and then in the end he is with, like, his father's men. Yes. And he sees her, but he lets her go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. I just wanted something like that where, like, because, like, even just talking about it, my emotions are with it. I'm like, ah! You know, like, I have the, those sensations. You just didn't have it. Yeah. But there's the foundation, which is, There was the foundation. Oh. I appreciate the foundation, but I did just want it intes- intensified. Okay, let's talk side characters. We had a few of them. Mm-hmm. Who were your favorites? Who did you like? Who best served the plot? What are your thoughts? I think, personally, the princess probably served the best in terms of adding to the plot. Mm. I think the princess could have been utilized more. I think the same, yes. Because she is she she is in this position of power because she's essentially the regent empress. Like people have to listen to her. Yes. But it was kinda like she was afraid that people wouldn't, even though she's in the position that she's in. Yeah. Well, I for me, I couldn't tell with the princess if she was kind of naive or not. Because I think Ning even thinks at one point toward the end of, oh, maybe the princess's father, the emperor, kept her away from a lot of these things, from mm. discussions about unrest and such. And so, therefore, she doesn't really know how to handle it now, handle the issues now. I wanted her to be a little bit more direct. Yeah. Like, she was she was at least a little bit involved in the whole politics. Because, obviously, she's a princess. But also, she had, like, the thing with the chancellor where she thought she, he was on her side. Yeah. You know, and finding out who is sending out these poison bricks that are poisoning her people and everything like that. Um, so she had that, and she had her handmaiden, Rui. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and she had her, like, as a shadow. You know, we find out that Rui is a shadow, which I totally called, by the way. You but did. You I did. did. I did call it. And I just wish, you know, the shadow was, like, such a... It seemed like it would have greater importance than it did. Yes. And it just kind of fell off. Well, because the princess is like, I basically made the shadow to investigate who's actually behind these poisonings. 
there's not there's no information that comes from that. No. No part of the mystery of who's behind the poison bricks was solved from her actions. No. I wish she was just a little bit more active regarding her people because she's recognizing that there's unrest and plans for revolution and there's the threat of the banished prince coming back. But it just kind of seems like she just sits there. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is, you know, it's hard to tell when it's just, when you're just reading one book, if this is kind of going to be like the beginning of her arc, of her coming into her role and being more of a ruler, of a queen, of someone who, you know, is more active, which it could certainly be. But in this book, I felt like she was too withdrawn in a way. Yeah. I also think that the whole thing of using... Ryu as the shadow yeah. could have really emphasized her romance with the princess's romance with Ryu. Yes. Because it is like, you don't really like know for sure if the princess and Ryu are together, but it's very heavily implied. I think the princess does say like, you saved my beloved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. So you have this romance, right? And they honestly, I personally think they had more ro- chemistry than Kong and Ning, which is kind of sad. They were really sweet. They were really sweet, but I feel like he could have felt more for them if she did utilize Ryu more because she's like, I want to know what's happening to my people, yes. but she's the only one I can trust. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, but I'm putting also putting her into danger. Yes. And it's like, that's like, I just, the, the, like, I'm sending you out to do this, but you could do, you could get hurt, but it's like duty and honor and having to figure out these secrets and such. So it's like, she's, it shows her love for her people while also bringing in an aspect to her romance. Yes. I also couldn't tell with her. I wish I I just wish she had a bit more of like a certain quality because I couldn't tell if she had a short temper or not because Neen would say something she's like I could have you executed. But then she's like go on. Like so it it was like she was super sharp sometimes. I think that was meant to be more playful. Oh. Like Ning Ning kind of like took it like oh my gosh like what if she's not joking because she's the princess oh i took it more i i I, in my mind i write it as she was being super threatening and then all of a sudden she'd be like i want you to be my spy so i was like this is a little no i think i think what the author was trying to do was trying to portray her as more playful like you know i could i could have you executed for saying something like that oh yeah oh but it is it was kind of hard to grasp the princess's character because like you said it did seem like she was withdrawn but I, I, one person that I did feel like should have had more impact on the story was the steward, Steward mm. Young. Yes. Because she she has, one, she's in a position in the palace where she can easily distribute things because she's in charge of the kitchens, yes. right, where everyone gets food. But she's also, she also has a connection to Ning's mother. Yes. And so you, you there's a whole scene where the steward is explaining this to Ning. And she's like, yes, I knew your mother. This is why she was thrown from the palace and why your parents never came back, all these things. And so then you expect her to, you expect the steward to have a greater impact on the store or like helping Ning. And she did help her with that one trial, but then she never helped again. Nothing else. Because she has kind of, she has her staff, which are shown to be very loyal to her. They listen to what she says when she says at the end of the story, forget Ning was here. They're like, yes, we, we won't say a word. And so I feel like, like you said, that could have been utilized more where, you know, the kitchen staff could have been like a network of spies to figure out things for the tea or for Ning or, you know, information about Ning's mother or more about the past. Like she, she was such a good person for information. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like. She, because she was highlighted quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, she had like those few chapters when she, where she talks about how her daughter is quarantined with the emperor because he was sick and she hasn't seen her and she's so worried, and she had this backstory and and she helped Nene, of course, and such like we've said, but it didn't go much further than that. Yeah, and also when like when we discovered that the emperor is actually dead. I was wondering, like, what about the steward's daughter? Yeah. Like, are we going to figure out what happened to her? Yeah. Shouldn't it be revealed if she's dead or alive or not? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was just a thing. And I feel like a lot of the other characters, because, like, most of the other side characters are the servants, right, in the kitchen. Like Ming Wen and Chung'ar and all of them. 
And again, they just could have been utilized more. Mm-hmm. Or especially with Shao, right? Like, he's just kind of like the jerk. Yeah. In the competition. <laughs> who, like, he's like the one who has connections, like the one who has had like this big education and everything, who looks down on people. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. Right? And so he has all these connections to like one of the ministers and like these Dean Chan and things, right? So, like, the, the highest level people. Yes. And so I liked his addition because it was just like, oh, there are, like, a lot of things from different sides that are coming at her. Yes. Which is what you want in a political intrigue yes. kind of story. You want you don't want the feeling of safety. No. And that he was a really good addition to that. But I feel like Ning would also have to have her own connections. Right? And yes. she could have had that in the kitchen staff. Yeah, she could have developed. Like, if she saw, because, like you said, he shows that he has he kind of has an in with the competition. Mm -hmm. She could have gotten back an advantage by making her own advantage. Yes. Or like making sure that he doesn't get his. Yes. Or just kind of like that back and forth between those two groups almost. Yeah. He's really only rude and antagonistic in the first encounter Neen has with him. And then he kind of like disappears for a bit. And then at the end, he's there for a little second. And then he disqualified well not disqualified but he leaves the competition well he wins it technically oh oh i think i'm thinking of his cohort yes so he's kind of there and he's also he's always just like mean to her yeah but it never escalates into anything more well and it seems like he has such a sure win because he has all these ins but then it didn't really seem like that yeah it just was like, oh, yeah, he's like, it kind of seemed like he was going to be a really big issue when he wasn't. Yes. But, like, I liked I liked what he could have been. Me too. Because he was kind of like the Kato from Hunger Games. Yeah. And, like, competition. He, he definitely, like, it was kind of like going against connections and money versus talent. Yes. And I wanted to see more of that conflict. Yeah. Because it's a very interesting conflict and one that I feel like would be new in a competitive sense yeah and i would have liked to see like the different groups right and in this and the court politics you know you could have had like the chancellor and you know his thing with the banished prince right and then you could see xiao and xin chan and the one the minister right yeah and maybe how they melded or maybe how they're antagonistic towards each other against like ning and like the kitchen staff versus the princess like there there just could have been a lot of sides and i just wouldn't care um, what a char- a side character that I did like, uh, who I thought was sweet, was Leanne. Oh yeah, I I liked her role. I liked how she is the daughter of. He's kind of like her father is kind of like an envoy, isn't he? He's an of, ambassador. Oh, thank yeah. you. That's the word, ambassador. And how she's grown up in the palace, and I like how Leanne kind of has the perspective of what the princess used to be like and what the palace used to be like, and how she's kind of had to adapt to to this court life, but how she doesn't like to act like she's from the court. I, with her secret mission at the end that the princess gave her, what was her secret mission? We don't know. Because she was sent out, and then she comes back and saves the princess? No, she doesn't come back. Because I thought she rode a horse nearly dead on the ride back. No, that was Ryu. Oh. Yeah. So what was happening with that is that Leanne created a tonic for Ryu to strengthen her so she can make the ride back to oh, the princess and okay. help them. So she was at a dis- a, an undisclosed location kind of helping. Oh. So, like, the reason why Ning saw her was because of the tonic, you know, because she was trying to help Ryu with her own magic, so she saw Leanne's. Oh. So we don't actually see Leanne in the end. You're connect- connecting so many things <laughs> for me. <laughs> I honestly expected Leanne to betray her. Oh, I did get the sense Ning. because when, when Ning was like, no, I won't call you friend yet. I was like, oh, we got a traitor. <laughs> then actually she was a good person. So. She was, but I was also like, you know, we when you first meet her, you think like, oh, she just comes from some province away from the, the capital. And she kind of does, but she like, she has a, fairly high-ranking father yeah and so when we discovered that i was like oh so she's like in the court yes like oh she might be like with 
the princess or with the chancellor or something and Where betray her, her loyalties. Yeah, but there wasn't really a question of that, and I wish there was a little bit more. Mm. Even just, like, the suspicion. Yeah, I feel that. All right, let's talk about the competition. Let's make tea, and let's talk tea. What do you think about the tea? I was so confused as to why Ning was able to do what she did. Especially at such a beginner level, according to her. According to her, you know, she said that, like, oh, yeah, my mom taught me, my little sister Shu, about how to make tea, how to be Shanongshi. And I just, she was just like, yeah, but I failed at all these things. And the last time I tried to make something, like, I couldn't do it. And it was a failure and all these things. So you kind of expect Ning to kind of have to, like, work for her abilities or, like, at least be able to kind of fake it. Yeah. But that doesn't happen at all. No. She actually kind of does really well in the competition. Yes. Against these master team makers when maybe she shouldn't have according to her own background. Yes. I think for me, with the team making, I wish I just knew more of the parameters about what can a team maker do and what can't a team maker do. Is it even just like a team maker can do anything within the scope of imagination? And I wanted to know too, and I told Kimi this earlier, why aren't these team makers held in higher esteem when it seems like they're the only people who can use magic or can ha- who have like a magical like ability? Wouldn't you wouldn't they be so prized and so held in high regard? Yeah, I was a little confused. If I think about it, I am confused about that because there was a whole thing with um, Ning's father where he didn't, like, really believe in the abilities that his wife and two daughters did. Yes. And I was like, but you, you've seen it happen? Yeah. Like, or just, yeah, I did get the sense that it wasn't very regarded. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was confusing as to why. Because I do think, if I remember correctly, that toward the beginning of the story, Ning mentions that some some people thought that what her mother could do was fake. Kind of like, I, I think of it of like psychics, how some people think that mm. it's fake. But then when your actual palace and rulers are kind of fighting after having a tea master, I feel like the people should then regard it higher. Yeah. Because... I just couldn't tell if people thought it was real or not, if it was actual magical ability or not, because Neen is literally doing impossible things that people are seeing. Yeah, I do wish that we had more of an explanation of what the tea could do or the limitations of what the tea or, like, the limitations of the person making the tea, just just to have, like, the bounds of what magic could do in this world. And I wish that was explained earlier on in the story. And concerning the competition... I know I said this in the book recommendation, but I didn't feel like the competition was enough in the story, even though it seemed like it should have been more of a focal point. I can understand, you know, that, of course, the politics behind the competition are important as well. I do like that the story went into that, but I I think that you, I I feel like the story, sorry, that the competition could have been more present because it was made to be such a big deal. I mean, she left her family, she left her dying sister, to save her sister through this competition. And yet I feel like there were so very few challenges and that the numbers of the number of competitors was going down so quickly that she was surviving pretty easily. Like there wasn't, she wasn't really having to fight too hard to stay in the competition. And with the first challenge, I, it kind of, I, I don't like how Ning recited this poem that was like a revolutionary's poem. And because I just think it was just too accidental for such a big for such a big consequence. My question is too that she doesn't talk at all in later in the story when she does do the tea making. That is the only time she talks during it. So why would she do it then? Yes. And and this poem I feel like it needed more of a background. Like maybe her mother recited it to her when she was younger. So she was actually saying the poem to honor her mother. But it just felt, the poem to me felt a little too random. And and then 
the cost wasn't enough either to me because she's I know that there is a consequence that people think she's a revolutionary and there's talks about her being disqualified and such and and the princess is kind of leery of her but it didn't really carry throughout the story to me it was like it was kind of a thing for the first third and then it kind of dropped off yeah with the competition i wish it was a bit more like the fourth book in harry potter goblet of fire yes um where we see ning be nervous about it where we see her prepare for it where we see her you know figure out like what the others are gonna do you know like their abilities and i feel like that really could have made it more you know we were we really would have felt like oh Ning's really nervous for us like what is she gonna do what did she figure out like what or what is Xiao gonna do is he gonna like try to try to sabotage her or like Wen Yi I, I really wish that Wen Yi mm-hmm. had a bigger impact yeah and like just like in the competition aspect yeah right because he's just kind of like there and he just kind of like stands up for Ning and Lian sometimes but like and then he like has this really pivotal moment in the end. Yes. But then we don't. But we don't really see that up to it. You yeah. Know? And I wish if I feel like if the competition had been a bigger deal, then we would have seen more of him, and that would have made more sense. Yeah. And I feel like there were some questions with the competition that I didn't have answered, or maybe because you're a genius and you you always get the details <laughs> that I don't. Um. So you know how, I think it's in the second challenge, I believe, when, oh, actually, no, this is the third challenge, where it's the, the geisha? Mm-hmm. The, who, the, 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 girl, the women from the tea houses. Yes. They come in, and, and Ning has to figure out which cup has poison in it and such, but when she takes her tray, she fig- figures out that all of them are poisoned, that someone's trying to sabotage her. And so she trips herself and she falls and makes the tea break so she can get a new tray. No. What? No. Did I misunderstand that? So that was the, ch- if I remember correctly, that was the challenge with the silver needle. Oh, yes, yes. Silver needle. Yes. So what happened was the steward got her um, silver needle beforehand. Yes. So she could practice with it. And that's what she used on Kong to get the truth out of him. Yes. But when she was at the competition, she realized what she was given wasn't silver needle. Mm-hmm. So what she did to get a new one was trip and, like, fall, yes. like, purposefully to make it shatter so that they would actually have to give her actual silver needle that they would have given to another competitor. But who was trying to sabotage her in that instance? She assumes that it's the minister that didn't like her because of her poem. But it's never really confirmed. It's never confirmed. And I wish it was confirmed, either through Neen figuring out or someone confessing or something like that because I think that would have amplified the the tension in the competition. The fact that these players or that the judges themselves will go to any length to ensure they get the outcome that they want. And I think Nain was super smart to trip and to get a new one, but I just, I wish there were more answers. I wish there were more stakes with the competition. I do wish for that as well, yes. It just, I feel like the biggest thing that could have really made the story great just adding more. Yeah. Just like in, in the romance and the competition and the in the in the right just like I just wish that there was just more build up to it. Or yeah. Just like we just feel like, oh like what is she gonna do? Oh, like that was so smart or her, that was so clever, like but you don't really get any of that. I I like in books where they have competitions where the players have to learn to play the game. Yes. And to play each other. and But she was so segregated from her other players. Like, she interacted with them very little. Mm-hmm. Because she had more of her side quests with Kong and with the princess and such. But I just do wish that there was that interaction to kind of... To, one, make the players stand out a little bit more from each other. And to make it so that when they lose or when they win, that it does feel more like a strike against Neen, like, oh, no, like, I'm doing bad because he passed, or, like, he's my direct competition. She's the strongest player, like, kind of analyzing your opponents. But I felt like the competitiveness in the competition was missing. I wanted, like, a Hunger Games Goblet of Fire, like, fusion for this. With tea. Yes. Now, 
Hey, what did you think about like the magic in the mythology? Generally, I loved both. I liked the creativity in both. The fact that the T was the conductor for magic. I thought that was super cool. And I thought the the stories from the mythology were interesting. I just wish we got more of an understanding of the mythology. If it is more of a mythology or if it's more of an actuality. Because in the first half of the story, I felt like the gods were more like beings that you prayed to. But then in the second half of the story, when Ning goes to the shift and pulls the poison out of Ryu, that she gets kind of a visitation from a goddess. And that throughout, the kind of from then on, she kind of gets help from that goddess. A little bit. And so I wish I just kind of better knew even just what Ning believed. If maybe everyone else believes that the gods are just people to pray to, but that she felt like they were more physical beings. Because it's something her mother would tell yeah. her or something. Because I didn't even know that she did believe that they were beings or if, it, if it's kind of more of like a history. And in terms of magic, we've kind of already touched on it with the competition and such. With the magic, I feel like I just knew more about like do our team masters is it a hereditary magic is there are there other types of magic in this world or are these team masters these team makers the only people capable of having this magic it was implied at the very end with the astronomer when the princess and ning go to that official's house yeah kind of for like a safe house they go and meet an astronomer Mm -hmm. and ning implies that they also have their own type of magic Oh, oh yeah, she. Um, but that makes me wonder, like, then who does have magic and who doesn't? Yes. And how does the magic differ? Is it seen as real magic or is it seen as kind of like a doubted magic? And with Ning, the whole point in the book is that the magic that they use, that these tea masters use, take as much of you as you give. So, like, if you do something, you're giving up something of yourself as well. And Kimmy and I talked about this before we were recording, but for everything that Ning does, for all of the feats that she performs, we've, like, the magic needed to take more yeah. out of her. And I feel like what could have helped with that and just, like, finding out the boundaries of the magic would have been if we saw more of the gods in the daily lives of the people. Right, because I think at one point Ning says that like one province gives worship to this god and one province gives worship to this god and people in Jia, you know, typically kinda like differ, something like that. She says something like that at some point in the story. Yes. And so I kinda wish that was more emphasized. Yes. Like I wanted to see Lian with like maybe a little brooch of the goddess that she or goddess or god that she or and her people believe in believe in or like give worship to because of this or that reason because the thing is the stories in the mythology are really great i really loved the stories in the mythology i was like they make a lot of sense and they have this mysticism to them and i just loved them and so to see it say like oh yeah leon believes in this goddess because legend has it that this goddess like helped with the soil to grow the plants or something right yeah or, like, with Wen Yi to see, like, oh, but his god did this, and so they believe something different. Just to see that more just in, like, their daily life. Yes. To see how their beliefs more actively played out. Yeah, and see, like, oh, like, maybe, like, the team masters from this god differ, or this god differs. Because, I mean, there, there is that one god, Shenong. Yes. Right? The one that's, like, the team master where... All team oh. masters kind of, like, get their abilities from. Yeah, they're kind of, like, descendants in a way. Yes. But I kind of wish we'd seen more of, like, the different things from the different provinces. Yeah. Right? Because at one point in the competition, when he does something different than everybody else, and they're like, oh, that's that's strange. We don't typically see something like that. I'd wish we'd seen more of that differentiation. Yes. Because one of the great things with the competition is that it is bringing so many different people from different regions that... There could have been more of that world building 
and the differences between the lands and what they believe. And like you said, the differences in their magic or how they utilize it. Because everyone kept kind of saying how Ning was super talented and that her magic was different or that she was a su- she was super powerful. Even with the golden key scene with Kong, doesn't he call her something? He's like, oh, I didn't know you were a... Yeah, he says you're capable of prying to human minds as if that's not common. Yes, as though it's something different, unique even to a tea master. Yeah. And so, you know, do different tea masters have different realms of influence where maybe she is good at prying open to the mind, but maybe someone else is good with emotions or someone else is good with the physical body. But then even though she is good with the mind, it seems like her abilities kind of stretch out far more into different areas because at the end she helps Kong win the fight by helping him with his body. Right, yeah, because that, was, that body. was the last trial. Yeah. Or like at the very end with the princess when they're with the banished prince's men yeah. and she like transforms their faces. Yeah. So it's like, what can she do? What can't she do? And it feels like if she's super efficient in some areas that she should be deficient in others to add in that this power this power isn't all powerful mm-hmm. that in this competition that's why they're trying to find a tea master who can best master all types of the tea making because it, it just makes it seem like that that person who can kind of master a, a little bit of everything would be more valuable to the princess I also think that the differentiation of the magic would have been really great Especially since the princess was using the competition as a way to find out who poisoned the tea. Yes. And if she knew, like, oh, this is from this province, this magic is from this province, like, but we don't have any provinces that make things like this. That's how they would discover, oh, that's actually from the banished prince's country. Because I didn't understand how they knew it was from the banished prince's country. I just, I think it just would have helped. Yeah. I I, I like the, the power and the mythology as a whole, but I just do wish there were a little bit more answers about the specifics. Yeah. Now for the ending. The ending. Dun, dun, dun. We have a lot of things going on in the ending. A lot, yeah. You know, like, Ning doesn't win the competition. Yes. Because it is revealed that she actually has not trained under... A tea master, it was actually her sister who's under her mom, so she's not the one that's, like, listed. Yes. So she kind of got in by fraud. Yeah. Disqualification. (laughs) So she got disqualified and everything. You know, she's going to go home. And then chaos ensues. Yes. People are poisoned and died. She has to run away because everyone's against her, except for the princess. Yes. Except then she is... She's tricked to go back to the palace and is then accused of killing all these people with mm-hmm. poison because they think she's a revolutionary because of the poem she said at the beginning of the book. Then it turns out the chancellor is a no, no, good, good, bad guy. And <laughs> <laughs> that he's falsifying these accusations to get rid of Neen. But Neen, of course, is rescued by Ryu. Yeah, well, actually, she's thrown into prison. Yes. Where she finds Wen Yi, and he, like, tells her, like, yeah, the Chancellor's with the Banished Prince. Like, I heard all of these things. Like, here are letters, like, proving some things, and here's a letter to my mother if I don't make it. Yes. Very then he sad. dies. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Then, of course, Nina's saved. Her and the princess have to do some maneuvering. Ultimately, everyone escapes, but it's revealed that the Banished Prince is back and that he's taken over. With this ending, actually, okay, I really did like the ending as a whole because it has the the catalyst, cataclysmic event of a hostile takeover. Mm-hmm. The banished prince is reclaiming what's his, and we have this reputation of this guy who is ruthless but has been dormant for years. And his son comes back to court, and everyone's very leery of him. But ultimately, it's like he kind of proves himself, Kong does. But then, oh, oh, he is a betrayer, or is he? Don't really know on that one. But I did like the idea of this takeover. I, with the ending, I think, though, I would have felt a little bit more passionately if there was a little bit more 
of a buildup to the takeover. If there had been more antagonism throughout the story to to build up to the fact that there is going to be a an overthrowing. But what about you? What were your thoughts? I agree with you. I do think there should have been more build up to the hustle takeover. But one part that kind of bugged me was how Ning just discovered a lot of things at the end. True. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, she she gets away from the banished prince men with the princess and Ryu and they get on a boat and they're like, Oh, we should go to Yeluyu, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the place that when Yi had told them to go where they're gonna get support because those the monks there still support the emperor. Yes. Right? Except for in the embroidery that she got from, that Ning got from her sister, she discovers the antidote for the poison bricks. Yes, because it turns out that Ning's sister Shu has been testing on herself while poisoned and discovered the antidote. Or like something similar, but then Ning's like, wait, it's actually the black pearl from the country. land. Yes. And so all of that just happened in a weird way for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it does have to do with the writing style in that it's a little bit choppy. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you know, after Ning discovers it, she's like, wait, I have to go to my sister now because I know the antidote and I have to hurry. And, like, the princess is just, like, okay with it. Even though she should just be hightailing it out of there yes. because she's she's the number one target. And I was also curious because, I mean, Ning was outed at the competition because of her family. Like, the minister literally was like, yeah, we sent someone to your village. Yes. And we discovered this, and I was like, wouldn't that mean that they also have access to her family? Like, why yes. would she go back? Yeah, because she would be putting them in danger. Yes. Yeah. So I was a little bit confused on that part, but it was also, you know, we we get to the point at the end where she saves Shu, and her father's, like, crying, and, like, all of her dad issues are resolved in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And then, you know, th- she takes it out of Shu. The poison, she, Ning takes the poison out of Shu, but then it kind of like takes a toll on her because of what happened in the shift. I thought she got poisoned because she took out the poison, but maybe that's just how I read it. So I think what, because that's not entirely true because if that were the case and she would have been poisoned when she took the poison out of Ryu. True, true. So I think it's just something that happened in the shift because Ning mentioned something like, this isn't just any regular poison. This is something like ancient, like of the gods. Yes. Or, like, hating the gods, right? Mm-hmm. And so then at the very end, she just, like, passes out. Yes. Like, and that is the end of the story. That literally fades to black. Literally. And I thought that was just a little too abrupt of an ending. I I was so... Because I got to the last page, I read that line, and then I looked over and it was acknowledgments, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I just thought, like, you know, all these things are happening, and then it just cuts. Yeah. And I, I was like, I, I wish there was a little bit more of, like, okay, all these things happen and then kind of like going into like, what are we going to do now? And then the story ending. For me, I was just confused about the antidote because early in the story when Ning healed Ryu, I actually thought that was the antidote. But then they were like, oh, well, if you help us find the antidote, then we'll help save your sister. So I go, oh, okay. So what Ning just did wasn't the antidote, yet Ryu's still alive. So I was a little confused there. Yes. But then also... I mean, I'm not mad necessarily that Shu's the one who found out about the antidote. But at the same time, I wish, like, that kind of seems more of, like, a protagonist revelation to me. Yeah. Because it's been Neen's task to find out the antidote. And I know Neen supplies the missing knowledge with the Black Pearls, Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Uh, But I still wish that, I don't know, I feel like that was more so her task to complete. And for her to kind of complete it, do it, make the antidote, and then give it to Shu at the end. Because did she get the back black pearls and get it to Shu at the end? I think so, because when she was with the banished prince with the princess, I think she took some of the powder. Because they were giving the powder out to all the oh. men. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So she had, okay. Um... I mean, I didn't necessarily mind the last page ending like that, like the story kind of having that halt, because I think that it it would open to like a fast pace, like, 
if there was a second book or if there is a second book. But I I think I more so with the ending just, again, I just wanted a little bit more of, like, passion toward it. Like, the the... You know when you read super fast because you just have to see how it ends? Mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Yeah. But I did like, though, how Kong saw <laughs> that she was, that Neen was leaving. I keep dropping the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that Neen was leaving with the princess, but he just looked on after her and he just let her go. I did like cute. that. That was cute. I do wish he was more nefarious to the build up to that. True. I want to know where he stands. Yeah. Even if he's falsely standing by his father. Yeah. But that was a good moment. Now, there is a sequel. There is. It is coming out in August. 2022. So what are your predictions for what would happen in the sequel to Magic Steeped in Poison? Well, obviously, you know, the capital's been taken over. And the princess is on the run with Ning. So it's kind of like them figuring out, oh, what are we going to do? And I think Ning is going to come more into her power. I think we're going to have more of Kong and, like, his conflictions, if there are any, because we don't know if there are, <laughs> of, like, his father versus Ning, where he stands. Um, yeah, I think we'll see more of the Banished Prince, most definitely. With me for the second book... I think the second one's going to be more so about mobilizing a force to rally with the banished prince so that the princess can retake her throne and and learn the lesson of what, of what it means to keep the throne. I think, though, because of the split of characters, because they the princess and Ning has to meet where Leanne is, like they have to go to that place to get the to rally the soldiers. I wonder if there will be two perspectives in the sequel. Oh. One per- perspective for Kong and then one for Ning. I don't want there to be. If there's not two perspectives in the first one, don't do in the second one. I do have that thing. I don't, I, I, I like it when the perspectives stay. Yeah. But I do wonder if that will happen in the sequel because I feel like there would be no other way to, for like the romance to stay alive if not for the longing and the thoughts seen on both sides. That's true. That's, no, I can see that. I mean, I think I would be excited to see more of this world because this is very much based in the capital in Gia. So it would be nice to see, like, the other provinces. True. And see, like, how they differ, all these things, see how the princess kind of, like, acclimates to not luxury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, roughing it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. My my main question with this sequel is more so what role will Ning play? Because is she just kind of going to take on an advisory role with the princess? Or as the protagonist, is she going to kind of take more of like a near godly place of power? True. Because she has the backing of a goddess. She does. And so I wonder if with the shift and things like that, if her powers will be elevated to such a point to give that advantage to the princess. Because maybe even though they have these allies, they're rallying these soldiers, they need something else. Like they don't have Mm. enough of a force to reckon with the banished prince. Therefore, maybe Neen has to fulfill that elevated role of something otherworldly. Or maybe the banished prince already has that, so they have to find their own. Ooh, true, because... There is, like you said earlier with the poison, there is kind of like that ancient, deeper malevolence, maybe like God against God. Yeah. And I think it would be really interesting to introduce more of the gods into the sequel. Yes. I think it'd help a lot with the mythology. True. Yeah. Now we're going to be playing How Would You Survive? We have four minutes to pose four survival scenarios that pertain to a magic steeped in poison. The first one is, if you had to participate in a team-making competition to save your sister, what would be your strategy to win? Uh, without a doubt, poison. <laughs> Literally. We're in a team-making competition. Everyone's making tea. Everyone's going to be drinking out of nice little cups. I'm going to poison as much of my competition as I can. And would I feel remorse? Yeah. 
I would, but also I'm saving my sister. If I couldn't poison people, like let's say it's too risky, I'd get caught. I would study them from afar and then trick my way into an alliance and then reluctantly break away from them in order to win. Say I would, yeah, I'd just kill everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like hire some mercenaries or something to make it look like an accident. (laughs) If not, I mean, where else are you going to go? Seduction. (laughs) (laughs) There's only three things you can do. Kill, assassinate, or seduce. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would get in with one of the judges. Honestly, that's the way to do it. Get 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 your favor. Yeah. Get their favor. That's that's the way to go. That's a good strategy. Yeah. It works all the time, guys. I'm telling you. You do it in real life. <laughs> I feel like I always rely on seduction, but let's be honest, it works. <laughs> now, if you had to get information out of someone like Ning, has to do with Kong, how would you go about seducing your victim? Let me just be frank. Seduction would not go well for me. Yes, it would. <laughs> no, I, I'd be so terrible at seduction. I think what I would do, though, is just be me, but then also gather information. Like, I don't I don't think I could... F- I, I don't think I could fake anything. I, I kind of would have to let my honesty bring about their honesty and then betray them. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, though? Um, I think the... The key to seducing someone out of information is to be coy. Oh. Right? Like. So, like, you kind of, like, give a little flirtations, right? You, like, a hand on the shoulder, like, your eyes in a certain way. Like, kind of, like, your head down looking up a little bit. I get it. Yeah. I, I, I'm seeing it. You're seducing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> little eye contact and then kind of, like, drawing back, right? So they Ooh. want more. You be coy. Yes. And then getting the information out of them that way, you know, like, giving in, getting out. You know what? Just that tactic. I will tell you anything right now. Thank you. Again, guys, seduction works. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you figured out that the boy you liked was lying to you, how would you react and what would you do to get payback? Or would you? Well, I mean, all of these answers for me are purely fantastical scenarios. Mm -hmm. In real life, I would cry for six hours straight, eat ice cream, and then just continue to be sad. In a fantastical sense, though, if I was betrayed by this boy, one, I'd go, pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't even expecting to say that. And then two, I would, I would get payback, but I would, in a clever way, I would want to undermine them by stripping them of their allies and then cornering them and then having a really cool one-liner and then condemning them for life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. If I found out the boy I liked was lying to me, I would not be surprised because I do not <laughs> trust people. I would be like, yeah, I expected this. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're hot, but I don't trust you. Um, and then I would get payback. But I yeah, I think I'd do something similar in that I would do it in a clever way. And I kind of like strip him of all of his resources until he's left to nothing. Yes. And then kind of like an L Woods. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And I'd call him a bonehead for sure. Oh, I would probably use something stronger than that, but that's just me. It's like the most elementary insult. (laughs) If the kingdom you lived in was overrun, soldiers are everywhere, the princess has to flee, those seen as disloyal are killed, how would you go about trying to escape? (sighs) A disguise. Oh. I feel like disguises always work. I think I'd disguise myself. Or... If I if I couldn't escape and I had to stay, I would work my way up to a place of power. I would gain people's trust. I would earn favors. And then I would crumble the system from the inside. Ooh. I would be the sugar in the concrete. Nice. What about you? Well, there was the, the introduction of secret passages in the castle. True. By the princess and by Kong. So I'd be like... I'm going to just go one night and just kind of like sneak around and see if I can discover more about that. And then <laughs> I would become a master at those. And then once the kingdom was overrun, I just see the secret tunnels. There you go. You just knock a little like, then you find the door, push it open. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Ning totally could have been like, hey, what about secret passages? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like secret passages are always a go and so are bushes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just hide in a bush, guys. 
That's actually probably the most realistic response for me. Oh, I wouldn't escape. That is the most realistic. <laughs> I'd get in like the laundry hamper. The person pushing it would be like, this is really heavy. And then lift up the clothes and it's just me. No, see, here's the thing. I would be, <laughs> once, like, you know the scene where this, like, so in a scene where there is a hostile takeover, the soldiers, like, come in and, like, they start killing people. Yeah. I'd be one of the first people killed. <laughs> I'd go, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. That'd be me. Realistically, that'd be me. Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about A Magic Steeped in Poison by Judy I. Lynn. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. If you want to support the podcast, you are welcome to click on the link in the episode description. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi the Bird, shh happens.